Turn with me in your Bibles to Mark 2.22 for a moment. We're continuing in our series on the blessing, but I wanted to start with this interesting verse to take you into our topic today, which is this. The title for today's message is Shedding Your Skin. Shedding Your Skin. I always want to be growing And this week I had the opportunity to go to a spiritual direction retreat in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And they'd give us time in the afternoons to go as we felt led to meet with the Lord. And so I went to a place called Garden of the Gods and set off on a hike by myself. And I'm a cold-natured person, and Colorado, if you didn't know, is a little colder than San Diego. Uh, one time I looked at my, uh, my app to see what the temperature was. It was 16 degrees and two feet of snow. And I said, what's the temperature in San Diego? And concurrently, as it was 16 in Colorado Springs, it was 74 here. <laughs> and I went, thank you, Lord. <laughs> but uh, as I was on this hike in the Garden of the Gods, the sun came out and it was a beautiful day. And I'm cold-natured, so I had started with with a hat, with a big winter coat, with a sweatshirt. And as I walked on the trail, uh, layers just kept coming off. I just kept shedding layers until I was finally just walking in jeans and a t-shirt, no hat, no sweatshirt, no jacket. And it felt just amazing to have that light load. Mark 2.22 says this, and no one pours new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both wine and the wine skins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skins. And as I was sitting with this group of pastors and missionaries at this retreat, they went around and asked each one of us, why are you here? And I said, I am, feel like God's inviting me into a new season of my life. I've hit middle age, God is doing amazing things and maturing our church and planting numerous churches. And as I go into this new season, I feel like God is inviting me to shed some skins, to shed some skins. Can I tell you today that you need to shed some skins? In order to be all that you're called to be, in order to be the true you, in order to experience God in his fullness, you need to shed some skins. Because you can't put the new wine that God wants to bring into your life into old wine skins. Because if you do, the new wine will break the old skins. It's not made to hold the new wine, and that wine will be poured out. It'll be ruined. And you'll lose out on the blessing that God wants to bring. And so I'm going to stop and tie my shoe. Thank you. Looking at Genesis 12, if you'd now turn back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis 12, I'm going to look at it from a different angle this morning. I'm going to look at it in shedding skins because God calls this man to be his friend. The man is named Abraham. He starts with the name Abram. We know him as Abraham, but that's after God changed his name. God calls Abram, and he's going to tell him to shed some skins, and I want to look at that for a moment. He says this in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, 
and your father's household to the land I will show you. Another translation says, leave your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Why? Well, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. The series that we're in and we're coming to the conclusion in the next few weeks is entitled The Blessing. And so God's saying, you got to leave this to walk into the blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The premise of my message, the, the summary statement is this, in order to walk in the blessed life, you must leave some things behind. In order to walk in the blessed life, you've gotta shed some skins. And so I wanna look at three of these skins. You might not have ever seen this in the life of Abraham, or maybe you saw it, but you didn't apply it to you, but you see Abraham is the prototype of our faith. He's an example of what it means to walk with God. And so I wanna talk to you about three skins that God's calling us to shed today in order to take hold of the blessing or the new wine or the new thing he's wanting to do in us today. Number one is leave your country. And many people are going, yeah, it's spring break. I'll take that. Here I come, Mexico, Italy, that's it. That's actually not what I'm speaking of. I wanna talk to you about how we're shaped by our culture how we're shaped by our culture. Now, I never really understood what a strong culture America had. It was just me, right? This is, this is how I grew up. This is just normal until I went to India. And I get to India, and, and you know, we just think this is normal. Uh, us 350 million people in the United States, but you get to India, and they're like, that's not normal. What you live, man, us billion people over here, what we have is normal right? Cows should be in the middle of every road. You should have 10 times more cars on this road than can actually fit, right? All, 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 all you people walking around and just having all your personal space, how selfish. And so this is a great picture of American culture right here. I just thought this was normal, but man, this is America, right? I pledge allegiance to the flag and the hot dog, and the football, thank you, Lord, and some baseball, and some beer, right? So here, here to, to, to you, you know, some people, I put this up, and you just went, ah, ah, just ministering to me. Some of you are snapping pictures of this. You're like, eh, this is going to be my new screensaver. Um, I want to tell you our culture affects us, and you are not your culture. This is what the Lord says he says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Listen to this, because this is your calling. For he, for he, for he, for Robert, for Stephanie, for Hudson, for Daniel. Put your name in here. For Robert was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Do you know that America is not your final destination? And for you that didn't grow up American, there's a 
people from 50 countries. So take America out of it for a minute. We have so many Africans in our church. Take Africa out of it. We have many Mexicans. Take Mexico out of it. You were shaped by your culture, but God is calling you to be a part of a heavenly kingdom. He's not calling you to America. He's calling you. I mean, let's be thankful. We can be thankful for what is. We can be disappointed in what's not. But you are a member of a heavenly kingdom. You're a citizen of heaven. And so there's just a lot of stuff that, that, that's, that we think is a part of us that we need to whoo, let go. Um, some of my friends are really blessed because they married someone from a different culture, and so they've kind of realized a little more how much they can be like part of their culture. And so I was talking to a great uh, a friend who's about a 40-year-old American who married a, a woman from a different culture, and they were in a, a car going on a road trip with some of her friends in their country. And so he goes into a convenience store and does what we do when we're on a road trip is we buy snacks. And so he went in and thought, what kind of snack do I want? And he said, oh, good, nice little candy bar. So he gets a chocolate bar, and then he gets back in the car and just starts eating it. And she looks at, he finishes it, she looks at him horrified. And as a good husband, he's like, what? Right? Because he's, he, he's like, okay, I, there's some friction between me and my wife. And so he goes, what's wrong? And she goes, how could you? And, Excuse me? She's like, how could you eat your candy bar like that? He's like, um, I just ate my candy bar. And, and, and she was so offended. And he's like, I, I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, what did I do? She goes, how could you eat your candy bar all yourself? That's so selfish. And he's like, one candy bar, one me. Don't, don't really understand what you're saying. He's like, did you want me to like break little pieces and hand it to the other four people in the car? She's like, of course. How could you be so selfish? He's like, I didn't know. And they had to work through this. And he's like, I'm, that wasn't selfish. That was just American. Now, let me ask you, what culture was more like Jesus? One candy bar, one me? Or one candy bar multiplied to the masses, broken and given out like bread and fish? Um, we, we don't understand how much our culture has shaped us. And so many times it's, it's me, it's my rights, I'm entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I'm so thankful for America. And I'm not denigrating America. You know that. When they play, I'm proud to be an American. I cry. But what I am saying today is I want you to ask yourself what parts of you are more shaped by the country you came from than shaped by being a citizen of heaven. Because you're called to be a Christian, a little Christ, more than you're called to be an American or an African or a Mexican or a Canadian. Let's keep going. We got to leave your people. We got to leave your people. Now, man, this is not going to be popular in this day and age we're living in. 
You see, it's normal for us to group up with our people. Even All People's Church is very abnormal, right? The most, the most segregated hour of the week is actually 11 a.m. on a Sunday because churches typically are people just like them. And, and, and that's just normal. But this is what the Bible says. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian. He just keeps keep going from the most disparate, the most opposite groups, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Here's what I found. Racism is not an American problem. It's a human problem. I've been able to travel to almost 50 countries of the world, and what I want to tell you is every country I go to, there's racism. I went to the country of Macedonia. Who else been to Macedonia in here? There's one person, okay? In Macedonia, the Macedonians are, are racist towards the Albanians, and the Albanians towards the Macedonians, Right, you, you, you go over and all of a sudden, uh, in China, the Chinese are racist towards the Japanese and the Japanese towards the Chinese. Like, we all tend to get in our little groups. And I mean, it gets down to the point where like, the, 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 the city people are against the East County people and Sandy, have you never noticed that? I've heard people be like, oh, like, you know, you're, you're in like downtown or in a hip neighborhood in San Diego and they're like, oh. East County. Those people are like barbarians out there. And then the people out in the East County are like, oh, I can't imagine being so like crunched in. Like, do you not know how to survive like outside? And like, we just group with our people, right? Surfers, like, or with surfers, bro, you talk too fast, man. Joe, just need surfers, you know? And, um, we tend to get in our group, and then our group shapes who we are, and all of a sudden we see ourselves through our group, through my neighborhood, through my hobby, through my people group, and we become more white or more black than we become Christian. We become more Mexican or Asian or Latino or European than we are Jesus follower. And, and though you can embrace your culture and be thankful for it, it does not define you. Jesus is defining you. The Bible says there's no more slave nor free, barbarian or Scythian, Jew or Gentile, male nor female. That's crazy. And I'm not saying that God's just saying you gotta throw it all away, but I'm saying anything you put before Jesus is gonna blind you from knowing him in true intimacy and friendship that he's called you. So, <laughs> it's, it's not just that. Here's how we need to leave our people. We also get like a prototype of a, a people that you wanna be. So like we have these heroes and we look like that's our people. That's who I want to be. And that's who you try to model your life after. So here's my first one. My first one, James Bond. Like this was, as a kid, I remember locking in James Bond, who I want to be. He's my people, right? I mean, I remember my first time 
going snow skiing, I thought I could be James Bond. So I just pointed, never had a ski lesson, point the ski tip straight down. I'm thinking I'm going to be doing backflips, skiing down. I went straight into a tuft of snow. My dad had to come and pick me up on my britches, right? Um, James Bond, here's my next one in high school. You've seen this many times. Zach Morris, say by the bell. I was like, I've got to be him. And so I, I studied him. I measured myself by him. I had my hair just like him. I had his brick cell phone because that, he was my people. I was trying to be him. Now just stop for a second instead of just mocking me in your heart right now. <laughs> who, who is your people? Who is your prototypical man or woman that you look at and you measure yourself by that person. Maybe you're in business and it's a, a quintessential business person. Maybe you're in fashion, it's a fashion person. Maybe it's a sports hero. But God is saying you gotta leave that behind. Because you gotta look at Jesus. Jesus is your people now. Je Let me just say that again. Jesus is your people. The family of God is your people, and you look at Jesus, you're gonna become what you behold. And so we gotta stop spending our time staring at the cover of People Magazine or whatever you're looking at on Instagram, your influencer, and you gotta say, no, 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 it's Jesus. You gotta leave our people. And here's the last one, leave your father's household. Leave your father's household. Now this one can be tricky because what I'm not telling you to do is just cut off your parents or cut out your siblings or cut off healthy relationship. But what I am saying is Luke 14, I love it in the message version. I think it really captures what Jesus was saying. Luke 14, 25 through 26. One day when large groups of people were walking along with him, Jesus turned and told them, anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go, say let go, to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even one's own self, can't be my disciple. Every home has an ethos. Every home has an environment that shaped us. Whether you wanted it to or not, you were dramatically shaped by the environment of your home, and you probably don't realize how much. I mean, the funny thing is, the older I get, the more I do things like my dad. Right? My dad would always, he'd be giving me instructions on a phone, and he'd, go say, he'd say, Robert, go into this room, and on this shelf, about belly button high, you'll find this. And I, someone called me this week, and I said, go into the room on the shelf, about belly button high. And I was like, what did I just, I am so Bob Herber. Right, and um, but we're, 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 that was a funny illustration, but we're shaped by the attitudes in your home. If your home was always overcast, you're gonna have to emotionally overcast, emotionally down. You're having to fight to come out of that. If it was harsh, if voices were raised, if emotions were high, if expectations of you were super high, if you felt like you had to tiptoe around, God's saying, you gotta leave that. 
You gotta leave that because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You gotta clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You gotta leave that family environment. And some of you gotta leave your your family. You might be 2,000 miles away from them, but they're always right here. Like you're always, your dad, what he said, your mom is always right here. And there is just a cord of control. That's always, it's always with you. Their voices are always in your head. You're always trying to please them. You can't break out. I can't do this. What would my family think? I can't go here. What would my family think? Some of you, your parents have been dead for years and you're still going out. I think my dad would be proud. I think my mom would be proud. What would daddy think right now? And we're just living in that. Some of you, actually all of you, we have, we have these family roles. I want to put this up. You can actually, if you can't really see it, you can just, I think you can uh, Google family roles on the internet and you'll find this picture. But here are roles that we go into. Can you see, Lily? Um, These are roles that you can go into that families typically, in family systems theory, if you went to a therapist and you're going, why, what's wrong with me? Why do I always feel like the scapegoat? A therapist might take you into these common seven roles that we go into from our family of origin. So let me just talk through some of them and by the Holy Spirit. Now, just hear this for a minute because I'm not gonna leave you there. So this is gonna be a little painful for you for a moment, but I'm, I'm, I'm pulling off the Band-Aid so you can see the scar so then God can come in or see the wound so God can come in and put his healing balm on it. You're not gonna be stuck here. But just listen, because this might shed some light on you. Some of you felt like the scapegoat. Like, you always got the blame in your family. You were the bad one. And every time something went wrong, people got mad at you and they took their anger out on you. You were the black sheep. Some of you were the victims. So this is often the person who has an addiction or you have a mental illness or you have a big weakness. And so the family was always trying to fix you. You, you had the challenge, and so the whole family had to, had to help you, or for addictions, maybe you saw this before, your, your, your dad was an alcoholic, and, and, and so the whole family operated around helping this problem person, and then whenever there's a victim, there's an, a chief enabler. So like if there's abuse that stays in the family, there's usually someone that's covering it up. If there's addiction in the family and the family's staying together, it's usually because someone's allowing that addiction to happen. If there's someone that's just out of control, but it's just, everyone just says, well, we just tolerate that. It's because there's someone who's like, hey, we just don't rock the boat. We don't confront Johnny, because that's just who Johnny is. So there's victims, and then there's enablers. Maybe that's you, that you, you just always wanted the peace, so you just enabled people to be in their dysfunction. Here's another one, the family hero. The family hero, it's the one that, that, that all the family expects to save them. The one that the family expects to help them in their time of need. You see, they have the book, and they're stirring the food, and they're rocking the baby all at the same time. So this was my role. It was, was the family hero. And so, you know, it makes you feel really good. Like, I'm the family hero, but then you don't realize how much pressure you put on yourself. Because, oh, if, I, if, I, if I'm not leading, if I'm not doing, if I'm not serving, then, man, the whole family is going to crash. Here's another one. The lost child. 
A lot of times this is a middle child. The, fir the first child was a family hero. They were all excited. The last child might be the, 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 the mascot, right? The mascot's just the fun-loving com comic joker, always making the jokes, right? Always entertaining, but you never know the true them. They're the ones that's just always okay, and they're always just going to say the, the sarcastic the joke at the right moment, but you, 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 but you never feel like I have a friend like this. He's hilarious, but he's like, I, I never felt like I could actually be me. Because, you know, one person was, was having all the problems, and then the other sibling was like this huge achiever. So I was just kind of the comic relief. You know, I was the Jack Black of the family. The lost child, man, they're just like, hey, there's, there's so much attention that the hero gets. There's so much attention that the victim gets that, man, I just, I just kind of go in my room, and, you know, I'm, I'm the wallflower. No one ever notices me. Right, and so all of these have these mores, these, these attitudes, these, these beliefs that we have. Just take a moment, okay? This is an interactive morning. I'm going to kind of shift into some, some we're going to move this from lecture to laboratory, right? From a lecture class to a lab. Just take a moment. Which one of these do you most relate to? And you know what? You can relate to a couple of them. But God is saying, you gotta leave your father's household. Because no matter what, no matter if you had a great family or not, I had, I had a strong Christian family. Your family has weaknesses. Every family has dysfunction. And God's saying, that's not your ultimate family. You're a part of God's household now. You're a part of, of, of Abba Father's household now. And your identity is not scapegoat, victim, hero, lost child, chief, enabler, mascot. Your identity is dearly beloved child of God. Okay, so let's, let's really turn this into a laboratory. Um, what I want to do, I uh, probably shouldn't have done that, Lily, sorry. Um, I, I, I want... This, this week I was able to do some different practices, some different spiritual exercises, because um, one of the ways that we actually grow, you know, if, you, if all you do in life is to sit in church and listen, it's good, but God's actually wanting you to apply the word to your life, right? The, the word says, don't just be hearers of the word only, but also doers. So we're going to do this word right now, okay? You up for that? Um. And I, I know some of you might not be. You, you might not want to change. And you know what? That's, that's okay. I don't want to force change on you because change is uncomfortable. But some of you, the pain of where you are right now, it, it's too great and you want to leave that. Or you're like, hey, I'm just not content where I am. I, I want to grow closer to Jesus. I want to walk in my true identity more. So I'm going to walk you through a couple of exercises this morning to do that. So let's, um, let's put up this this. Uh, this little worksheet we're going to work through. And, and um, let me just tell you this. I'm going to put all these questions up, but the best way to get them, because I'm only going to be able to put on some, is if you take the QR code, everyone pull out this QR code. Um, if you're over 40, I'm going to teach you how to do this. Uh, open, open up your phone. Someone had to teach me how to do this. Open up your phone to camera. And what you do is you just point the camera at the QR code at the top, it'll open up a website. You push on that, 
And what's going to happen is you're going to see two different offerings here. And um, mine's taking a while, so we're going to give a little while. Actually, I'm getting a lot of texts right now. Hold on, I'm just going to see if there's any interesting ones. Is this coming up for you guys? It's taking a long time for me. Uh, On the top, what's it called, Kendall? Uh, Shedding your skin. So push on that, that shedding our skin exercise. You can have all these questions. Um, Now, this is what I want you to do. Um, I'm going to actually get you to, if if you came with a, a, a pen and paper, I'll have you pull that out. If not, what I'd encourage you to do is flip back and forth between this page and open a note. Now, I'm going I'm to have these up on the screen as well. Open a note on your phone. Uh, the amazing thing about our phones is now I, I use my phone, my notes as a journal. So when I sense that God's doing th- something, I write it down. Uh, when I sense God's speaking something t- to me, I, I write that down. You've got a, you've got a journal, right? Some of you are like, I don't want to carry a journal around. I'm not one of those artsy fartsy people. Uh, you, can ha- you can hide your journal in your pocket. It's called your iPhone. And so I want you to open a note. And this is what I want to do right now. I want to walk this through with you. And I'm going to just pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal what he's wanting to highlight, the skins that he's wanting you to shed today. So number one what does it mean for me today to leave my country? And I have two subpoints to help you. What beliefs or values do I have that are not helpful? So what just from culture? I want you to spend a moment, and I'm gonna read the next one, and I'm just gonna give you a couple minutes of, of, of quiet time to do this. What actions am I living out that are part of my culture that are hurting me or others? You just take a moment. I'll leave this up on the screen for a moment. Steven's playing some soothing, therapeutic music for you. Lord, would you just reveal to us right now, it doesn't need to be everything, people. Let's let God highlight one area that he's calling you today in this moment to just leave behind, to just leave on the floor of this tent and not pick back up. And what do you do with it once it's revealed? You pray a prayer of repentance. Repentance means to turn the other direction. So for me last night when I was writing this, it was, Lord, I want to repent of this American attitude of always deserving and demanding my rights, fighting for my rights. So I repent of that. And in the kingdom of God, it's relinquishing my rights and holding on to you. So I, I relinquish and I repent of demanding my rights. I let them go so I can be free. And I embrace you. Whatever God's bringing to mind, just say, Lord, I repent of this. I turn away from it. And then say, I turn to embrace you. Now just for the interest of time, I'm gonna keep moving. I know some of you don't move at the speed of 5G. Um, and that's why you can, this will be up on our website. You can go back to this and do this at home. I'm actually giving you a practice to do 
at home, but I'm trying to walk through and model it here in the service so you can have a good template of how to live out these things. Let's move to the next one. What does it mean to leave my people? Where am I living more from how my people act than as a child of God? Where am I not loving all people, but just preferring my people? Take a moment. You don't have to get it all. There's no, for, for you that this is bringing up performance issues. No, you're just letting the Father direct you. Just let him bring up. It could just be one thing. Just take a moment. Lord, would you speak to us? Or maybe it's an idol. Maybe it's an idol person for me, like James Bond, that I needed to let go of, to look to Jesus. Then once you get there, you just say, Lord, I repent. I repent. holding on to this with my people and I let it go and I embrace being your people. Moving on quickly, knowing you probably will need to go back to do this in your FaceTime tomorrow or some maybe on a, a nice quiet walk today. What does it mean to leave my father's household? What are beliefs, attitudes, or values that I picked up from my family that are not like Jesus that I need to leave behind? What was my family role that I need to leave behind? Just take a moment. Spirit of the living God, reveal these to us. Some of you need to pray the prayer, Lord, I repent of believing that I'm a victim. I let that go and I walk in my true identity as a beloved child. Some of you need to say, I repent of believing that I'm the family hero. I let that go. It's not who I am. And I receive the grace of being a beloved child of God. Some of you need to say, I, I repent. I turn away from the anger of my family line. I release that and I embrace the love, kindness of Christ, his family line. I, I, I need to keep going, so I, I really am trying to give you a practice to do at home in your life as God reveals different parts of your false identity. Why does God have a shed skin? It's to bless us. He's, he's not, some of us are like so afraid to come to God, we're afraid he's gonna tell us to let something go. Every time God has us let something go, it's because he wants to give us something more. And so what's the main way he blesses us? He wants to give us himself. And so when you let go of your family role, it's because God wants to give you a new name. He wants to give you more of himself. And that's what God did in the life of Abraham. It's gonna bring us to another spiritual practice in just a minute, but I want you to see this in Genesis 17. 
says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this covenant, you will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I made you a father of many nations. So God actually gives you a new name. He wants to take off that old family identity, that old country identity, that old people identity and give you a new name. And how does he do it? This is how he does it for Abraham. He gives him a new name, so he takes his name. So the name of God was written in Hebrew this way, Yahweh. They didn't actually even put the vowels in there. So this is how you would have, this is the transliteration of how you would have written in Hebrew. Y-H-V-H. Yahweh. Yahweh. So what does God do? He takes from the middle of his name and he puts it into Abraham's name. He actually takes the H or the 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 breath, the of his name and puts it in the middle of Abraham's name and Abraham's name, Abram's name becomes one with God's name. Abraham's identity becomes merged with God's identity. Do you understand that this is what God wants with you? This is not a religion you're following. You are not a part of the Christian religion. You are part of becoming one with God. So the when you, when you hear the ha, huh, that is the breath. It's the breath noise. It's the fifth letter, incidentally. Number five stands for grace. It's the breath of God breathing into you. It's the grace of God breathing into you. It's the merging of his name and your name. My name would become Rob Hurt. Because God, all, he, he doesn't just want you to be Robert and your old country and your own people. He's saying, no, I want to become one with you, Robert. Just put that H in the middle of your name and understand that what God is doing is saying, shed your own skin so I can breathe my very life into you. I want to breathe into you so that the Holy Spirit is living in you so I am one with you. So I wanna take you into another practice that I often do when I'm feeling anxious or when I'm feeling overwhelmed or when I'm feeling not close to God. And it's a, a practice that starts back with this understanding of Abram becoming Abraham. God breathing his life for when the, Jesus shows up and it says he breathes on his, holy, on his disciples and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to do a breath prayer with me. My favorite is this phrase. You breathe in, take a deep breath. Let it out. Let all your worries, let all your thoughts just go. Breathe in. Breathe out. Now breathe in, and as you breathe in, just receive the Holy Spirit. Breathe in the Holy Spirit. And I like to do breath prayers of phrases. This is one of my favorite. I say, Abba, as I breathe in. And then as I breathe out, I say, I belong to you. Breathe in, Abba. Breathe out, I belong to you. Breathe in, Abba. Breathe out, I belong to you. 
one of the breath prayers that they were teaching us this week is when you're feeling a heavy load, breathe in, in Jesus' name, breathe out, not my strain. For your work, in Jesus' name, breathe out, not my strain. Would you just close your eyes and, and take the biggest anxiety or, or worry right now and pray one of those prayers, either Abba, I belong to you, or in Jesus' name, not my strain. I just want you to do this over and over again for about 30 seconds. Can you just practice that with me? Deep breaths in, saying Abba. Deep breaths in, saying in Jesus' name. And breathe out, I belong to you. Let, letting all the worries, all, this, this, is, this is why some people like to do yoga because it's, it's actually capturing this understanding that we're more than just a mind, that Christianity has been reduced to just this mental agreement to a few thoughts and it's like, no, you're a body and you're a soul and you need to experience the comfort of God. So you breathe in. You breathe out, I belong to you. Now I was doing this practice when I was about 18 years old, breathing in, receiving the Holy Spirit, breathing out, letting go of my sin. And it's actually when I first experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, no one had even taught me about this. No one had taught me you could feel God. And I just started feeling from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes, the warmth, almost like a liquid love coming out of me. And then as I kept breathing, I kept praying, and no one had taught me this. I started praying in this heavenly language. Freaked me out because I'd never even heard of, not, no one I knew did anything like this. God is wanting your religion to be more than just some thoughts. He wants you to be comforted in his presence. He wants it to affect your body, your heart rate, your whole soul. I encourage you to go home and practice this breathing prayer. Just when you're driving in your car, make it your sanctuary. When you're walking on the beach, let your body, your breath, your whole being be transformed by the of God.